Welcome to Because I Want to Know, the podcast where I interview guests about their crazy, unique occupations or life experiences. I'm your host, Leslie Fear. So let's get into it, shall we? Hey, everyone. Today, I'm joined with Michael Drummonds. He is an amazing man that I found on TikTok. He's had a near-death experience. I'm going to let him tell you all about it. Welcome to the show, Michael. Hi. Hi. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy that you're here, too. And I'm so glad you're outside. So guys, if you hear a little wind in the background, you know that he's just outside. So Michael, I love your messages on TikTok. They're so enlightening. They're so amazing. They're so full of love. But tell me what happened, because I know you had an experience when you were a two-year-old. So tell me more about that, and we'll keep going. Yeah, I really had two big experiences in my life. And it's important that there's no way to separate the two of them. So I always like to talk about both of them. I had one when I was two years old. Um, I don't know if you can call it an actual near-death experience. My body wasn't in any danger, but it was certainly a spiritually transformative experience or out-of-body experience. Right. Yeah, and you're not supposed to remember things when you're two years old. I know. But it, was a, it was a big <laughs> event for me. Uh, yeah, it was kind of funny because even as I got older growing up, my parents were hoping I had forgotten the whole situation because it was such a like traumatic thing for me. But I was like, no, I remember every detail i'm asking all these questions wow. i mean like essentially i was accidentally locked into a bathroom i ended up to no fault of anyone's i ended up accidentally getting locked into this bathroom as a two-year-old and it was super traumatic and i basically uh there was one of those single stall bathrooms my mom was like watching my siblings swim in a pool at this hotel and she was like i'll be right outside kind of thing the door ended up being one of those really heavy like spring-loaded doors that jammed shut and oh locked me in there yeah. yeah, and I just had a complete, I remember every detail of this so vividly. <laughs> I remember the lighting, the fluorescent lighting overhead, the cold tile, the way it looked in the bathroom, everything, very visceral. Wow. Yeah, at two years old, it was crazy. But what happened was I freaked out. I felt fear like I had never experienced before. Sure. I screamed, I yelled, banging my fist on the door, just screaming for help, all this. And I remember very distinctly there was a point when this happened where something in me, I didn't have a concept of what death was or anything. I didn't have that kind of intellectual capacity. It just fear was the best way to say it was. And I just knew I didn't want to be there anymore. And I remember a point in my brain where I stopped screaming and banging on the door and I just sat down on the ground in the bathroom and just started crying and rocking. And the moment I did that, the moment I like sort of gave up, I felt these beings sort of descend in the room around me. It was like they were kind of hovering around the ceiling and all of a sudden they started to like come down and like form around me. And the best way to describe it is it felt like someone took one of those warm electric blankets, just wrapped it around my shoulders wow. and just started rocking me back and forth. And then I know that there were at least three beings there with me and one of them was maternal. And she was the one that was doing most of the, I can't really say speaking because it's more of a feeling kind of speaking. Yeah. She was doing most of the attention and she was just rocking me and whispering over and over, like sending me these little messages that like, you're safe. You're not alone. You're right here. You're loved. Just these loving messages. Wow. And I just stayed like that for a while until they were able to get the door open. And then, you know, they slammed the door open and some man opened it up and came inside and I was able to get out. But I was just walking like that for a while. But that experience of that love that I experienced, and I just call it presence because I don't know what else to call it because it feels plural. It doesn't feel like one person. It doesn't feel like an identity I can specifically pinpoint. So I just call it presence. Yeah. It just burned itself into my cells at such a young age. It really just burned into my body that it's real. It's right there. It feels like it's right over my shoulder all the time. Mm. It is loving. It is 
all inclusive. There's nothing that it's not. And it's just pure unconditional love. So I've always, since a very young age, had this connection to that energy signature, that other side, whatever that was. That really affected my life in a profound way. So it's important for me to tell that story because I wouldn't be who I was without that happening at such a young age. And that directed my entire spiritual journey. Well, you know, I wonder, is that your guides? You know, maybe those were your guides. You didn't know they were your guides. But also the fact that you remember every piece of it, it's kind of like with the near-death experience too, and you'll tell us about that in a minute. When you dream, you don't remember that much. You know, I can barely remember it five seconds after I've thought about it. But with near-death experiences or something like this, and you remember every part of it, especially when you're a two-year-old, that was real. That gives it validity to me. Yeah, it was interesting too because... I think my parents, yeah, like I said, were hoping that I had forgotten about it. And then as I started getting older, I started yeah. asking them questions about it. And they were all just like, uh, <laughs> yeah, that happens. And I was drawing and like showing them like the room and the hotel. And I was like, I remember this. This all happened yeah. throughout my whole life. And, and yeah, so they were just like, no, that did happen. <laughs> it was real. It happened. <laughs> so yeah, it, it was interesting. Yeah, every detail of it's so vivid. And yeah, I've just never forgotten it in the best way possible, though, because yes. as a result, I've also never forgotten the feeling of that presence with me. Oh, and that love feeling. Absolutely. Because, you know, you, you yearn for stuff like that. You know, you yearn for that all and complete love. It's like the best drug without taking anything, you know? So. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, too, because I ended up growing up in uh, kind of a religious environment. Like mm-hmm. I went to a Christian school, you know, like a boarding school kind of thing. And, you know, they teach you about the Bible and God and all these kind of things. And I just, I always just felt like I wasn't interested in whatever they were talking about because everything that they were talking about felt smaller than what I had experienced. So throughout my life, that presence was sort of my litmus test. And to this day, it's still my litmus test of whether or not it's true for me or whether or not it resonates for me because that presence was just so big. It was just like, if you can imagine a camera, it was just this infinite zoom out of everything. So it makes space for all of it. You know, it was just, it just felt so unconditionally loving and magnificent that it was just, I was on the search to kind of figure out like, what happened to me, you know, looking at different spiritual practices and trying to find other people describe a similar situation. Yeah. And I really, the first time that I ever found anything that I was like, what they're describing is exactly what I experienced was when I read my first near-death experience. And that was Anita Morjani's book, Dying to Be Me, which is phenomenal. Yes. Um, if, you've, if you've never read that book, it's so good. But the presence and energy that she describes is the one that I was experiencing. And that's when I was like, okay, well, I don't think I had a near-death experience then, but I touched whatever they touched, you know, (laughs) whatever that that energy was. And I was going to say, do you think that searching that kind of feeling again led you down the path of your near-death experience? I did, yeah. I I wanted to understand it more. So it's interesting because I went through all of that for the most of my life. And then as I started getting older, I started wanting to sort of intellectualize a lot more of that experience and understand it and kind of research it a little bit more. Yeah. Because throughout my entire life, even as a young kid, I was always kind of like talking to other, my mom would call them angels, Christian, you know, um, just like these beings on the other side for a long time up until, and that's probably why I was able to keep that ability for so long was because my mom never discouraged it. She never made me seem crazy. She would just be like, well, what are they saying? You know, (laughs) what what do they look like? Are they here now? Kind of thing. Yeah. So it really fostered that ability. So yeah. So I wanted to understand that more and, and kind of dive deep into it. So yeah, I started doing more mediumship, more psychic stuff, and then trying to figure out 
you know, through psychedelic substances and, and everything, just trying to kind of map out. That's what I know to say is try to map out the astral world a little bit yeah. and try to understand it in that respect. And so that's what got me into that. Wow. Okay. So when you got a little older, you started kind of dabbling into the micro dosing of psychedelics, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, and, and that may have started this whole pathway down of, hey, I can feel this in a whole different way. Maybe your third eye is opening, whatever you want to call it. So tell me what happened after that. Yeah, I started noticing that certain things would sort of amplify those abilities. And I wanted to understand, you know, what that looked like, which substances helped amplify different abilities, whether or not I was doing like a psychic reading for someone or a timeline reading for someone versus a mediumship reading for someone. I I was also really into mapping out vortexes at the time, like on the crystalline grid, just geography wise of feeling different energies to different places. And I just noticed, you know, I can pick up and feel a lot more. And you hear it a lot, you know, people who up, you know, under those substances or whatever, they'll have a profound conversation with a tree or something, you know, um, where they feel their grandfather's energy through the tree or whatnot. Right. So I got really into that and I wanted to sort of almost like a scientist research it. So, yeah, so I got into trying a lot of those different things. Yeah. Went a little too far, which led to the near-death experience. Yes. Pushed myself a little too far to the edge there and a little bit on the other side. And then that's when that experience happened. (laughs) Now, was it like specific to one particular psychedelic or was it a combination? What was it? Yeah. So for me personally, I noticed if I was doing, and first I just want to make a little disclaimer here. They're not for everyone. I think if you're going to use them, use them responsibly and respectfully and they're just know your body and do it in a safe setting, all that kind of stuff. Yes. Having said that, I noticed certain ones had different experiences. Like I noticed whenever I did MDMA assisted therapy like that, uh, I could do timeline readings for people better and I could connect with mediumship kind of a little bit better. I could, I could tap into other people's, you know, past relationships a lot more or their future lives. I could do timeline readings for someone's future children. If I wanted to, it was just a lot easier for me to go further that way. I noticed when I did psychedelics though, it was more personal. It was more my own world. You know, it's just more organic with the natural world, but it was also more readings for me and connecting with my own source energy. So one was a little more external and connected with other people in relationships and the other one was more internal with my inner self right and I was gonna say yeah as a disclaimer to a lot of my listeners and I don't know if any of you do or don't uh dabble in this and I have no judgment I think it's perfectly safe if you do it uh, in a respectful like Michael said way um and I do think that this is a little bit more mainstream now so this is why um I wanted to talk to Michael about this because I, I think it's important to send this message out to everyone so Michael when you took a little too much what happened then yeah, uh, I took a lot. Oh, <laughs> it definitely okay. wasn't a microtone. But I was interested. I wanted to see how far I could go, essentially. Oh, wow. um, okay. Part of that, too, was I... So this is why it's important for me to talk about both these experiences. That first experience gave me this sense of fearlessness throughout my life. Of okay. just, I knew what was on the other side, and I knew it was unconditionally loving. So I was never afraid gotcha. of doing certain things like that, because I just thought, there's nothing to be afraid of, ever, really. Right. So I went into this not having much of a sense of like second thought about it. I wasn't I wasn't afraid about it. But that's why the experience ended up being exactly what I needed. Because I would say before this experience, most of my life, I had very little ego in a sense that I really didn't know how to take care of myself as a human being very well. I was just sort of, you know, I was just connected to everyone, didn't really have a boundary with other people. And there's a real positivity to that, but there's also a sense of neglecting your individuality and your individual expression. So this experience kind of completely switched my life in that sense and gave me that sense that I think I had lost from that first experience, which 
there's a deep yeah we could go deep into that but yeah so essentially i um, ended up experiencing like a toxic brain syndrome and had all these seizures and had to go get taken to the hospital and kind of put one foot in on the other side and one foot on that side and was kind of like straddling both lines there of going in and out losing my breath and like like i said just about to cross over and um and i can go into the details of what all happened with that but i ended up pulling myself back i kind of realized that there was a point and you hear about other people who have near-death experience to talk about this there's almost a point where you can feel if i go further i'm not coming back oh, right. and yeah. reaching that threshold and sort of being aware of that and, and it's so enticing too because you just feel nothing but love on that other side and you're just like well well, of course I want to go, you know, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. why not? But actually, I think that was probably one of the most profound takeaways from that experience was I decided I made a decision for myself to come back. And I knew that that was going to change me moving forward in a way that my life was going to look different. It almost, I love the way, and I know I mentioned this earlier, Anita Morjani talks about it, how she, after her near-death experience, she talks about how we almost have these two radio dials and one is the ego and one is the spirit. And we need both of them turned up all the way to live in this reality. I would say before that experience, my ego one was way down and the spiritual one was way up. So I didn't really know how to take care of myself as a human being or an individual. After that, when I made the decision to come back, it was almost like something switched in my brain where I was like, I love myself as a human being, which means I have to take care of my individuality. I have to take care of my body in a way that I've never done before. I need to respect my humanity. I need to respect this planet. I need to like, I need to be here, like in a grounded sense, which is, yeah, which was sort of what was missing for a lot of my life before that. So I ended up getting exactly what I needed out of the experience, but in a very different way. You got a total reset. I mean, that was an actual reboot for your life. Yeah, it was a reboot. And so much happened in a way that I'm still processing because a lot of it happened in a subconscious way that you can't go through an experience like that without being changed in some oh, way. Oh, no, I know. Yeah. Uh, like ever since that experience, and it wasn't anything I've had to try to do or anything. I've just, I've noticed I'm so much more sensitive to my environment. I'm so much more sensitive, to, like hypersensitive to everything, which I always was, but now in a different way. Now in a way where I'm like, I need to eat these healthy foods to take care of my body because now I'm seeing my body as this spiritual. I'm I'm starting to see that there really isn't an other side and this side in the sense that my body is just as much that other side as it is on this side. So it's almost like I brought some of that back and now I'm respecting my current human body and surroundings in a much different way. Well, I tell you, it just sounds like to me it was supposed to happen. So when you were in the state of, you know, dying, were you greeted? Did you see a, a tunnel? Were you, what, you know, tell me about that experience. Yeah, I felt everything getting pulled away from me. Okay. Everything. Yeah. So basically what was happening is everything from this reality was pulling away from me and I could feel it. And it was, I mean, everything, every concepts about like my body, my, my friends, music, food, all these I could see were just part of this reality. And I was watching them get pulled away and I was getting pulled into this. It was like a multicolored pool of light. (laughs) I don't know how to explain it. Imagine swimming underwater and like looking up and you know how like the sun reflects on the water like that. Imagine that only it was like every color imaginable. Mm. But like this electric light and, and they were they were molding together and moving together. But also it was like water. It was like multicolored water wow. that was all around me. Yeah. So it was like the shell that was around me, all of it was all those things were getting pulled apart, like broken apart, like an eggshell. Okay. And then what was happening was that light was coming in. 
And it was so beautiful and inspiring and loving and just warm and safe. And it just felt like it was everything. Like that, wow. it's all that there was. And then there were these beans there. There were like three of them. I don't know how to fully explain them. There were like three light beans. I don't know if they were the same ones from when I was younger. Right. Because in this respect, I couldn't quite tell if they were maternal or fraternal or any kind of energy like that. They were just light beans. And they just kept saying, again, the same thing. Everything's okay. You're safe. You're all right. You can relax. You can just surrender to what's happening and just let go of all of it. And so I started doing that. But then there was a point when I realized the multicolored lights around me were starting to change a little bit and starting to become a little more pure. Uh, like less multicolored and a little more white. And I, I just had this feeling in my body that I was like, I can keep surrendering. I can keep letting go into this, but it feels like I'm going to reach a point where I can't come back. Oh, and it, okay. and again, all this is happening. It's all happening at the same time. So even when I'm trying to talk about it, it's all happening as these like revelatory downloads where all this information is happening at the same time. So everything's understood within a millisecond. Exactly. Um, like a full yeah. conversation happens in a millisecond. So it's just... Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, so, I've, I've interviewed other near-death experiencers who say, I went there and all of a sudden, every question, every single thing about the universe was answered in a second. And I knew everything. everything. Yeah. You knew then, everything, but you also know you're not going to remember it when you come back. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, right? Yeah. So were you there long? Did you have a conversation with anyone? Did you see relatives, pets? What What happened after that? Yeah. So I honestly, I had no concept of time whatsoever when I was over there and talking to the people after the fact of like what happened to my physical body because I wasn't really here. Right. There were moments where I was kind of hovering above my body and can kind of see what was happening, but it was very in and out. I wasn't I wasn't there for very long. So I think this whole experience lasted, I don't know, maybe an hour, hour and a half in like human time. To me, though, I have no concept of that. I was just there and I was just sort of, like you mentioned, I was inquisitive about everything. I wanted mm-hmm. to know all these things about my life. I saw flashes of my life. I saw flashes of the people that I love. And I saw all these things taking place. Wow. And just an understanding of a lot of things. There was an understanding. I, I did have a lot of shame, though, when I was seeing a lot of those things. Mm-hmm. And that's when those beings kept reassuring me of like, it's okay. You're okay. You know, they were kind of talking me down from it because there was a sense of like... Uh, I was getting a hard look at my life from yeah, an objective review, point of maybe. view. Yeah. And there were just a lot of things that I wish that I had done differently. Sure. And I think one of the biggest lessons for me was I wish I had treated myself differently a lot. That was one of my big takeaways, which comes back to what I was saying. of I didn't know that I was my own unique individual and my own unique human being and my own unique. I didn't know that an ego was important to have. Yes. Is the best way to describe it. I didn't realize that. And that's why I feel like it was a balance of the first experience that I had where I felt like I lost it completely. It felt like this experience gave it back a little bit. And so when I was kind of seeing what was happening, and particularly when I hovered briefly above my body and I saw myself in that state, I just felt my heart break for myself. Oh, wow and was feeling all these things and then these beings were just with me and it was almost like I started seeing myself through their eyes and they were just sort of loving me I don't know how to explain it but love it but it's such a small word it felt good to sort of like have them like you're watching a movie and they're just right there with their arm over your shoulder like 
holding you through all the emotions, but they don't even really need to tell you anything because you're experiencing it through your eyes. Yeah. They're just sort of there holding you, witnessing through it. So yeah, that was one takeaway. That was, again, like I said, I think one of the biggest takeaways from it was I, I saw myself differently after that experience. Right. Well, you know, it's funny that you say about ego because ego, it keeps you alive here. You have to eat, you have to sleep, you have to, you know, whatever you do. But I think it's also a dirty word in another way because ego can be very destructive but it can be very loving and very giving. It really truly depends on your perspective of it. And, you know, when you say loving or love is kind of a small word, it's it's the biggest word it can be with whatever energy you give it, in my mind. And I think it's very big for you and it's very big for me. Um, to my listeners, I told Michael about my experience with my mother and my father. So he kind of has an idea. But when I gave my father the permission of just you know, it's okay. I forgive you. I want only love and light for you from now on. And let me give you a task as well to help me. That helped him. And it never helped me to stay mad at him. It never helped me or served me. And so I feel so much better. I feel so much healthier now. And just like I was telling Michael, I had communication with him just this morning. And he said, I said, are you still in solitary confinement? And he said, no, I have absorbed back into the light. I didn't even know that was a thing. And so I was just like, wow, because, you know, he did feel love when he was in that solitary confinement, because I asked him, do you feel sourcing? And he said, yes, I feel it all around me. That's what keeps us going. That's what we know we can go into whenever we decide. He did tell me that, or he gave me that feeling. It's not like we had this, Mike, Michael understands. It's not like you have this conversation. It's like you just telepathically kind of understand without even language. So, so you're there, Michael, surrendering kind of, you know, you're looking at this life review. What happens after that? Do they say you can go back? Do you want to stay? What do you do after that? Actually, I almost felt like they were telling me to relax into it and to just surrender to it. And it would have been okay either way. I felt like a sense of it would have been fine if I crossed over and everything would have been just as it should be. And it was also okay if I didn't want to. I didn't feel like there was an influence so much in in the decision. Okay. Yeah. For me personally, I didn't feel that. I felt like, or maybe I didn't need to get it that far because the decision was easy for me. I just was like, no, 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 I don't want to because I, was, I just thought of my family and I thought of all the people that I loved. Yes. And I just thought, no, 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 I'm not ready to let those yeah. people go. Like, I want to come back and I want to be with them. And there's more that I wanted to do. Absolutely. So it was almost like they were witnessing me make that decision for myself. And it didn't really take any coaxing or anything, nice. if that makes sense. So, oh, yeah. And that decision, though, was the profound moment for me, though, of me when I felt like the biggest takeaway of that of my life changing was I made this decision of almost like I don't want to say my life got more serious because it didn't it got lighter in a way. Yeah. But my human life, I've now respected it in a way that I, I don't think fully respected before because I was always more interested on the other side. Yeah. And this sort of reminded me like, oh, but there's so much here. Like yeah. the, the relationships you have here are so important. And, and so much of it is here, basically, yes. was the takeaway. Yes. Wow. Okay. So did you see like any past lives while you were there or was it just strictly this one? I didn't see any past lives specifically like that, but I was aware that I was connected to anything and everything. Like everything was kind of happening simultaneously. I could see versions of other worlds and I could see like there were all this happening, but I didn't really go too far into that. Okay. Did you learn much about like the galaxy or the universe or how everything was done or did you get it and then it all went away? Yeah, no, I mean, there's definitely a lot of understanding that takes place in that setting. So there's a million things that I can break down for that question. One of the big takeaways was it felt like this reality, 
it exists because we collectively agree on it and everything that exists in this reality is a collective agreement and that as our collective agreements change this reality will change and so anything that exists in your world exists because we collectively love it in some way and so we're manifesting it in some way and it's sort of a giant group project of all of us being here and that's part of our interconnectedness to it all is that and if we were to hit a critical mass number and we all agree something else our reality would shift to reflect that so it was this feeling that like we're all collectively creating this reality based off of our shared collective imagination and our agreements um Again, it's it's really I know it's really yeah. hard to explain all this. <laughs> well, Dolores Cannon said I don't know if you follow her, but I've listened to a few of her lectures, and she said, you know, this this place where I'm talking to you right now, giving this lecture right now, this big convention center. She goes, it didn't exist until we all came here, and I'm like, what is that? What you're talking about? Kind of, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of weird talking about this because you're getting so deep into like the quantum physics right? a- a- <laughs> aspects of it. But yes, like all of this reality is essentially a projection of our collective consciousness. Yeah. It's the way it feels like. And if we all agree to a different reality together, if we can collectively agree on a new set of rules, on a new whatever, and allow that into our consciousness, that will be our new reality. So, for example, I know you talk about aliens and UFOs on this podcast sometimes. If enough people collectively agree that there are aliens that exist and they're there to help us and they come into this planet all the time and we can communicate and at some point we're going to walk on this earth with them in communication. If enough of us reach that place, that critical mass 100th monkey number, that will be our reality because we've brought it into our consciousness because it's kind of a collective group project here. So it's sort of... And that's that's also why you, you want to focus on things that you want, because that's what's bringing them into the reality. But also everything that exists, exists at a level because we love it in some way, or someone in our collective loves yeah. it, which is why it exists. So yeah, so there's lots of different things to this. But essentially, yes, it was this feeling like this reality is really a collective group project of all of us in our consciousness. And that's why it exists. And when there's multiple people in that, that's what creates the beauty of that. And this is probably one of the biggest takeaways of that message is this planet exists because on some level, every person on this planet loves this planet. Otherwise you would not be able to experience it. You wouldn't be able to be here if you couldn't, which I think is what's happening now is we've got to remember what we love and why we wanted to be here to begin with and sort of getting back to the roots of that. Right. Now, what do you think about the people that do really bad things in this world? I've heard so many different perspectives of this and I think sometimes you need the good with the bad and they're also raising the consciousness even if they're doing bad things would you would you agree with that i do so i kind of see it if you've ever seen what a wave frequency looks like or even an audio frequency how there's a peak and a trough you need both of those to have that frequency happen and that ends up being your threshold and i think i've talked about this in other videos that was a big takeaway is there is a threshold of frequency that exists on this planet that we're all capable of holding within our bodies And so this is just a very primitive example. But imagine you can hold light frequencies between the levels 3 to the level 10. That's how much your body can hold as far as realities go. If you were to go above that to 11, 12, your body might not be capable of holding that. So like a glass shattering from a sound frequency, that's what will happen to your body, your consciousness. You'll raise above it to another level. However, that threshold, we all have a collective threshold for being here on this planet that we can we can maintain within ourselves mm-hmm. while being in this human body. So in the sense that there's a peak and a trough to it, as the peak starts rising, the trough will rise as well. But you need both of those to have the full wave frequency to that. 
Right. That, does that make sense? No, it does. It absolutely does. I totally get it. And because I was thinking to another person that has heard so many near-death experiences, I was like, well, if we can still work on ourselves, you know, here or in heaven or wherever you want to call it, why would we want to come down here? And he was like, because you learn so much more and you experience so much more and you ascend so much more when you actually live it. And I was just like, okay, I do get that. So is this kind of a play? Is this even real? Is it more, it's, I've heard people say it's more real on the other side and this just is not really reality. Yeah, no, I, I do agree with that. But it's, it's, I don't necessarily prescribe to the idea that it's some sort of test or place full of lessons that we have to struggle through. Yeah. I think we're really here to have fun and enjoy because yeah. the filter and the lens that I took away from it was that whatever that energy that we were coming from, that source energy, brings us into this reality that we also sign up for as a gift. Because it's like, it's such a cherished gift to be able to be here and to do this. And it's not about like the tests or the lessons or anything. It's about really just like experiencing love on a deep level from all these different facets and to experience ourselves as creators from all these deep facets and to really understand that. And that's how I kind of check the vibration. If I'm starting to think that way, I know that I need to tweak my vibration because the lens for me, and that goes back to that presence lens, is if you really knew how loved and valued you were and how much this source energy loves you on the other side, everything would look like a gift. Everything would look like a blessing. Everything would, would look like a present, essentially. So it's kind of, I can always tell if I start, if things stop looking that way, it's because I've forgotten that the truth of that core belief. I love that. No, that is fantastic. And you know, when you understand how things kind of work, you become less of a victim, I think, too, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's not that terrible things don't happen to people and, and all that stuff, but... <laughs> I always think of Mr. Rogers, actually, when this happens and <laughs> when all the bad things are happening in the world and you always just look for the helpers. Um, really, what you focus on does expand. And that was just a really true thing. In my experience, it's something that I've heard other near-deathers talk about. And it's just, it really is, what are you going to focus on? And that really comes up to you. What do you want to experience? And, and it, the tricky thing about this reality is that as much as we are individuals and we have our own egos and identities, we have to have each other as well. And so, yeah. you know, it's trying to get everyone in a group project to listen to you and be like, and that was, I, I talked about that when I came back from the experience and the, the nurses, I had the patches all on my chest and everything and they were monitoring my heart and the police and the ambulance were there and everything. And it's really funny. I, when I came to, I saw the nurse in front of me and I was just full of so much love for her. I just, <laughs> I looked into her eyes and I saw her whole life story. I saw her pain. Oh I saw her gosh. suffering. I saw her dreams, her hopes, everything. Wow. And my initial reaction was, I just wanted to reach out and hold her and hug her and tell her how proud I was and, and how amazing she was. And so um, yeah, I did, I tried to, but uh, when this happened, it was like kind of towards the early COVID days. And so I reached out to go <laughs> hug her and everyone in the room, there's all these police officers, there's EMTs, there's nurses, ambulance people. They're all like, no, 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 what are you doing? What are you doing? And I tell them, I'm like, I just want to hug her. And their response was, you can't hug her. You don't have a mask on. Like, we got to put a mask on you first. <laughs> and I was I was still in that, you know, that other realm of, yeah. like, everything exists because we collectively agree on it. And we're all here together as brothers and sisters in this wonderful family. And we all actually love each other, even if we have forgotten it or gotten too caught up in the, wow. you know, the dream. But, yeah. but I remember just having that thought of, like, oh, right, right, yeah, Um we should play a more fun game. Like, that's just not a very fun game to play. Why don't we play the game where we all love each other and look out for right. each other and, like, appreciate each other? 
which is a possibility if enough of us can agree on it and and believe that it's possible. It absolutely can be. But yeah. um, yeah, that was that was a funny experience that happened with the nurse there. And the whole time when I was at the hospital and everything, this the afterglow for me lasted for weeks of just oh, wow. really? um, yeah, yeah, for weeks of just this feeling of like I couldn't even look at people without seeing their entire timeline. It felt like everything about them, wow. and and that was the other thing too of seeing people as the collection of their experiences, their thoughts their dreams, how every human being is a reality, like not just a human being, like everyone is a collection of reality. And because you have your relationships and people that you love and your own dreams and futures and pasts, you are literally like, if you can see it as a spider web, you're the core of that spider web holding together a web of infinite realities here. Like that's how powerful you are and how amazing you are and how skilled you are. And there was this feeling like all the beings on the other side really admire us for our capabilities of being able to hold those realities in this focal conscious point in a body and and just how spectacular that concept was and how amazing it all was and respecting ourselves as that, but also respecting everyone else as that as well. Wow, that is amazing. Yeah. I mean, I've had other near-death experiencers say, you know, I came back or while I was even there, the doctors that were working on me, I knew everything about their life. I knew um, how many kids they had, that they play golf every Sunday or whatever it was, right? That was, yeah. And so you know everything. And it's almost like, it's almost like we are source. He is us. We're a part of him. So why wouldn't we have that ability, whether it's here or there, I guess, right? I honestly think that part of it is the the filter that we're using. So part of why I believe I could see that in those people is because I only had a lens of love okay, coming back. Okay. So, you know, fear would be like a blinder that you put on to the truth, any form of that. Yes. So having all of that lifted away, it was just pure energy that I saw. And through that, there was just nothing but compassion and empathy. So there's no judgment. When I saw like one of the nurses or whatever, I could see their fears and I could see how uncomfortable they were for certain things or how nervous they were about certain wow. things. And there was no judgment. There was no, it was just pure compassion and empathy and love for that person. So the closer we can hold those frequencies, the more we'll see the truth and not our own projections. Because when you see everything through the love like that, all you see is the energy. All yeah. you see is those, those things. So I think it's really lifting those blinders off. And that goes back to, I've mentioned this before in the other podcast or a video of how I do my mediumship stuff. I don't know if I've told you the story of the passenger seat on the car door and I let them in once they've, they've shown me that they're loving kind of thing. And then that opens up the psychic abilities completely um, for me personally. That's kind of my my way of doing that process. Oh, yeah, because I was going to ask you, you know, is that how you do your, because I know you do readings for people. Tell me how that works. Yeah, so for me, usually what starts is I will not open myself to energy that doesn't feel completely loving like that. Mm. So I always use this example. There was one time when I was at a job, and <laughs> again, this is a professional setting, but one of the bosses at this job, like higher up, I was working and I just kept feeling like her father was coming through. Oh, wow. I knew nothing about this woman. I didn't know anything about her life. She was like way higher up than I was. And he just kept coming through. And that happens a lot sometimes. And so usually for me, I either have to like, you know, do a visualization where I direct them to the light. I ask for guides to come down and, oh, wow. and guide them. Or there's lots of different techniques that I would do for that. Okay. But this one in particular, he felt like he was really, he wasn't leaving me alone. <laughs> so oh, yeah. I was like, I am not going to 
this is a professional setting. I'm not going to go up to this woman and yeah. tell her, hey, you're going to think I'm crazy, but I think your dad's coming through. Yeah. So another thing I'll do sometimes is I'll just channel it in writing and then hope that it goes away after that if I don't want to. Yeah. Um, so I did that. I was translating everything he was saying, and he was a very direct energy. Like, I could start writing down, like, oh, your dad says he loves you, and he would just be like, I would have never said it that way. That's not what I said. Write down exactly what I said. <laughs> so I would have to, like, change his – like, he was very kind and yeah. loving, but he was a – he had a personality. Yeah. So I would have to change it and I'd have to put it in his wording and use his nicknames and use every detail because he was just like, it's important that you use these. So I was like, okay, wrote it all down. The way that happens, though, that process of me recognizing it and opening up is I saw her walk. And this is how it is every time for me. So I'm just using her as an example. But I saw her walking down the hallway and I felt this rush of love for her coming from like my feet all the way up into my heart. Just this like overwhelming sense of deep love and compassion for this stranger or person that I didn't really know. And that to me, when I feel that is a sign of I can trust it because I know that this is pure loving energy. So when that happens, what I'll do is I'll be aware of it. And then I'll start to feel what perspective is this love taking place. So in that one in particular, when I sat with the love and I felt it, I could recognize it as it felt paternal. It felt like I loved her in the way that someone would love their daughter. And so that's when I could open up to it and be like, okay, is this her dad? Does she have a dad that crossed over? And then I'll get the green lights for that. I'll get like the confirmation in my body of like, yes, this is her dad. And then I'm like, okay. And then I'll check in just make sure that it's all like love and pure energy. And then that's when I sort of open the passenger seat door and I'm like, you can come in now. What do you want to say? And then I'll start channeling the energy. And I make sure that it keeps high vibration, though, of it has to come and find me. Like my my calling card is that unconditional love. So it's got to find me at that energy signature and we got to stay at that energy signature the whole time. So that's how I protect myself with that. But when a mediumship reading happens like that or it comes up in like an intuitive reading I'm giving someone, that's how I know I can open myself up to it. And that's when the messages will come through. Wow. I love how you do it too. You keep yourself on a certain vibration to where this is where I am. You want to get here. You got to do it at this level or we can't do it. I love that too. That's a very protective way to do it. And you're taking care of Michael. Yeah. I will say that was a learning process for me though. Cause there were times when I opened up to other energies and I was like, Ooh, this feels icky. I don't want to be here kind of thing. Oh, and really? I've since learned how to, you know, manage that. I'm just like, okay, now it's time for, and again, they're not bad energies or anything they're just confused or they're just you know they need help they might they might communicate in different ways and there's times when I have to ask them to present themselves in other ways I've used that as an example before of one time there was an energy that was coming through and the way that she was presenting herself made me a little nervous and so I just asked her I was like can you present yourself in another way if you want to come through with love and she sort of changed herself into a little girl energy suddenly I was like oh okay now I can I, I understand now. Yeah, yeah. I can work with this. Yeah. Wow. And a lot of it is my own mindset at the time too. This will probably be really practical for your listeners as well. It seems like a lot of people in the videos like really practical advice of things yes. that I offer them. So I would say some practical things I do to prepare for an energy reading because you have to lift your energy up. You've got to clear your energy and make sure you're not bringing your stuff into it right. is I've got a notebook. I dump my emotions on it or I'll do some EFT tapping to just purge my own emotions. Yeah. And then I'll do two things that I do. I do, one of them is kind of an Abraham Hicks method. I've got like a few pages and I just start writing down things that make me happy, positive aspects, things that I love just to like get the ball rolling and get myself really high vibe. And then the other one, um, and this is something I still do every single day, is I will write down all of the ways that day that my guides showed up for me. 
just to solidify that connection and be like, oh yeah, like, you know, whenever this happened or whenever that person paid for my coffee, that random stranger today, like acknowledging them will also strengthen that connection even more. So talking out loud to them, thanking them, and then also keeping your energy high of just focusing on that loving vibration will keep you high enough where they can reach you easier at that loving vibration. Wow. That's amazing. I love how you do that because that is practical. That's a way that, you know, if, if you're into this and you really like with my parents, you know, I can actually talk to them. And I didn't know I was doing, I didn't know what I was doing. I thought I was a little bit insane, but my friend, Christina Curran, the, the psychic medium that's always on this podcast said, just talk to him. You can do it. Yeah. And I've even told, like I said, Michael, the story. And after a while you, it's, it's kind of weird because there's a soul knowing there's just a soul truth to it that you can't explain, but it's something that you get when you start doing this work. And like I said, I don't want to do this for a living. I just do it for myself. But it's kind of neat because when I told you the story, you went on and told me a couple more things about my dad. And I was like, okay, cool. All right. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of how the readings go when I give people a reading like that. It's just, and I'm sure your psychic mediums people also are the same way. There's just, it, it just starts coming out. You just feel like, oh, it's important that they hear this, or this is important for them to hear also. Like, it just sort of becomes responsive. So that's why sometimes it's a full mediumship reading, but other times it's just little things that are just like, oh, yeah, this is also coming up. And again, it's, we're all channeling all the time. Yeah. Everyone is channeling all yeah. the time. Like, that's part of why we're here. It's just, I see it as everyone's intuitive, everyone's channeling all the time. Some people are just able to have the awareness of the process or slow it down or direct it in different ways. And other people just, just don't. They're focused on other things. There's no hierarchy to it at all. I think when it comes to spirituality, the most important thing is for you to honor yourself and be yourself. And if that looks like being a psychic medium, then great. But if it looks like being a doctor studying cancer research, then that's what you're here for too. So it's just honoring that and whatever whatever opens Absolutely. that heart chakra, which is the most important one. Oh, absolutely. And you know, there are people here that I do think that are here for a very good reason, whether it's spiritually, like, or like you said, a doctor, a nurse, um, heck, people that build buildings, people in government, you know, not everyone's evil in government. (laughs) But, uh, you know, (laughs) but you know, and that's another thing, like, Michael, what do you do? Do you ever come across people that are maybe, you know, here and maybe had a trauma, like, I'm going to go there, I'm going to talk about ghosts. And let me tell you what I think about them and what I, what I understand them to be. What I understand them to be, and I've talked about this on my podcast, is maybe a trauma happens to Michael. And Michael is abused as a child or whatever, right? And so that piece of you, because we're all fragments of God, so that piece of your soul went there. And then it gained a consciousness. And now it is something that is there, whether it's, it's, it's not really residual, it's actually intelligent. I've never heard the perspective of it developing its own consciousness like that, because I don't think, it, and I'm just speaking for me no, no, personally. I, I want everyone's perspective. I want your perspective too, because I've just heard that. And now I want your perspective. Yeah, to me, that implies a sense of separation from your current consciousness, which okay. I don't think there is a sense of separation. Okay. I think it's more about the focused attention and there's the part there that's asking for your attention in the same way that everything works like in the physical body, you know, like if you if you have an injury in your body, uh, a broken bone that's not being addressed, and it hurts more and more and turns into a bigger problem, it's not so much that it's developing its own sense of consciousness, it's right. just asking your attention. <laughs> it's saying, sure. hey, you forgot about me. We, we've got this here. We need to work on kind of thing. Quite frankly, I don't really think that there's evil energies or anything like that. I think okay. it's all love. I don't think that that's, for me personally, a real thing. I think what it is is there's just neglected energies or things that we've been stuffing deep into the shadows and when you look at them 
when you really get to the surface, I see it as sort of like, have you ever seen like the, the symbol for infinity? Yes. I always think of it as if you're playing cards or something and you know how the ace can either be a high card or a low card. Yeah. It's sort of like you go deep down into what you think is the dark. So you're going 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, all the way down. And just when you think you're going to hit like the darkest pit, the most evil, whatever, you find the ace and you realize the ace is actually the highest card. And then it's this infinite loop that's kind of mm. going that there really is no... Those are just layers, you know, that actually, right. and that's, that's what I think most people, if you've ever done trauma healing, you discover is at the root of the fear and the evil and all that. It's just a scared little kid who needed attention, who didn't get it, you know? Sure. And I think that's true on, on energetic levels as well. And I think the only way to really find that truth, and a lot of people, I think from near-death experiencers that I've talked to is when you break through to the other side, you really, there's nothing to be afraid of, but we've built up all these layers of protection to protect something in this reality that really uh, is just asking for attention and love. I, I know a lot of people are like, oh, a lot of near-death people are just all light and love, light and love. But really, I, from my personal experience, that's really what's there when you break through oh, to the other side. It really is all light and love. And that's why I do this podcast. Because, you know, when you talk to people who actually really did leave their bodies and their bodies did actually die for just a moment or whatever, or even if they just astral projected and they actually went to the other side... There is so much more, and I'm not trying to convince someone who's an atheist or an agnostic. My husband's an agnostic. He thinks this is a bunch of garbly goop, and I've talked about this so many times on my podcast, but he's the human that has made me understand love and forgiveness and the best part of being a human that I could ever, ever compare to anyone else. He's the most amazing man in, in the world to me because I didn't have that good father figure at, at that point in my life. And here he is not really believing in the, some of the things I talk about, but that's okay, you know, because when he gets over there, he's going to go, oh, oops, sorry. Uh, <laughs> but but also, that but it might be part of his contract with you to hold yes. the grounding for you here. Oh, like you don't totally. know, whatever it is, you can trust that it's going to come from a loving intention because that's the only way oh, he could be in your life. Know nail on the head because though no, he grounds me because honestly you know I love doing this so much and I love talking about this so much I am so not a small talker small you know one of those small talk conversations I'd rather stick needles in my eyes I would rather talk to a stranger and tell me everything about your life and you know and I could do that forever and he grounds me and goes okay well kind of holding the reins a little bit you're getting a little out there and I'm like okay all right you know let me go outside and put my feet on the grass you know <laughs> yeah it really, I think, just comes back to trying to, and it sounds cliche to say this, but trying to see the world through God's eyes or, or loving eyes. Like if you're having someone that you're struggling with, imagine them as like an infant. Imagine them as a tiny baby puppy or kitten or something, you know, like, yeah. like, cause that's how the creator of this universe, our collective source energy sees us as just pure innocence of just, and we forget to see ourselves that way. We forget to see other people that way. And I think that's why the last few years yeah. have been a little crazy. We've all just forgotten the truth. And I, I do channeling sometimes from my source energy and I'll post videos about them. And that's one that the last few years has just been coming up a lot and a lot of just like you forgot that you all love each other. That's why you all exist. Like, remember, you all love each other. Don't right. forget you all love each other. And um, it's but, just sort yeah. of remembering that. Yeah, but God gave us free will. And unfortunately, that can be a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, so, <laughs> <you know? laughs> I know that's why I, I always tell people the most practical thing you can do is just practice appreciation and gratitude because that's going to expand whatever your focus of gratitude is on so Absolutely. just try not to get too caught up in 
the opposite of that, if that's happening a lot, if there's a way to shift your attention and because and, again, literally it is, it's like a magnifying glass. Like you put your focused attention on it and it will literally start expanding on an energetic reality form. So just, just keep, keep doing that with things you love. Exactly. And opening that box. Cause you know, not everyone has to be right. You can honestly open that box and go, wait a minute, maybe I'm looking at this in an entirely different way than you are. We're both right. We both can hold space for each other, you know, as opposed to, nope, it's my way or the highway or nope, it's your way. And, and I can't be in it. We can have love for both sides, you know? Yeah. And I will say that was something specific that during my experience, I asked the guys on the other side because one of the things I was like, God, the world is just seems like it's lost its mind. Like what's going on? And there was this feeling that just, it was like I saw a glimpse of everyone's collective hurt and how deep it was buried and how no one was really talking about it. And it was the sense that like the way to heal is just to talk vulnerably about it. It's just, that's it. You just got to like communication will bring you peace. Essentially just, we forgot how to do that. Well, you know what? I never talked about what happened when I was a child. I I had this podcast and finally I was like, I I guess I'm going to go there. So I did. And I never talked about any of the, you know, I would never have said, guys, I could talk to my parents. You know, they're like, okay, are you nuts? I don't talk like this around my own friends or well, the few that I do have now, because I don't really hang out with a lot of people anymore because I very selective anymore. And, you know, I don't really talk about this with my husband because I mean, he does listen to some of it, but yeah, it's very freeing to just say, this is what's going on. This is my truth hang on with me, download the podcast or not, but this is where we're going to be. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And to know that it's okay if your world gets a little smaller, it just means you're going to get a little more focused and yes. know that as much as what I'm saying of how like when you focus, you're like everything exists in your reality because on some level you love it or you're giving your attention to it. You exist in this reality because there are beings on the other side giving you their loving, focused attention. That's how you are manifested here. You have that on the other side as well. So just knowing that that's always there. You're never alone. I love that. And Michael, I know you're working on a book. Tell me about the book you're writing. Yeah, it's sort of a collection of everything that we've really talked about here. It's a collection of, you know, how I do my own mediumship readings, a collection of things that I've learned from the other side, my own experiences, but also just some deep truths, even stuff that like old journals I found when I was a kid and I was communicating with these other beings as a small child. I still have all these writings and stuff that I've just kind of been digging back into and and researching. And I also uh, want to talk a little bit about about what I think is the most pressing issues at the time for us collectively and, um, you know, I really, really came back with a strong sense of love and appreciation for this planet. And I think that we we all need to just remember how much we love it and why we're here. Yes. So and I have talked about this in other videos of how, like, I did see a future on the other side. And I saw I, I like to throw this disclaimer. I saw my future, at least my timeline of where it's going. And I saw a beautiful planet of nature and us living in harmony with it and understanding nice. our connected energy to it. So that's that's what I feel really purposely about focusing on and trying to bring into this reality is that sort of that world where we remember that and get back to those roots. So I'm very passionate about that. So that's in the book a lot. That's what I talk about a lot. And um, yeah, working on the book and then offering some readings. If anyone wants a session with me, they can just DM me on Instagram or TikTok and uh, and yeah, just trying to make this world a better place. Oh, listen, you are. I love your videos. And guys, I will add all of Michael's information on my show notes because I tell you, I love your story, Michael, and I appreciate you just 
being very candid about it. I know you might have had some shame in it, maybe not, but I, I tell you what, it was definitely accidental, but look where you've come. Yeah, and I think too, I've I've just gotten so much more clear about listening to my own voice and truth and also feeling this, I don't want to say a sense of urgency, but a sense of uh, direction and, and focus on, Absolutely. oh, okay, that's who I am. That's who I came here for. That's what I should be focused on. That's what I need to do. I love that. And yeah, so that that's kind of, I've made my world smaller, but also a lot more focused in a good way. So I understand what you were saying <laughs> about yourself yeah, as right. well. Yeah. Well, Michael, thank you so much for being on my podcast. Uh, you've been a delight. Of course. It's been a pleasure. It's so good talking to you, Leslie. Well, I love providing because I want to know at no cost. So if you like what you heard, please leave me a five-star review or you can just buy me a cup of coffee. It's kind of like a Patreon, but you don't have a monthly subscription and you can give whatever you feel led to give. I am a one-woman show and I do all of my scheduling and my interviewing and my editing. So just know your support is so greatly appreciated. And one more thing, I am a paranormal romance novelist and you can find all of my books on Amazon. Just look up my my name. I'm very easy to find. Thank you guys again, and I will see you next week.